Welcome back to the Don't Start a Band podcast. This is episode number 31. And real quick, I just want to say we have some backseater shows coming up. July 19th, we will be opening up for Blueprint at Globe Hall. We have pre-sale tickets for $12. Um, it's all electronics, so you know Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, all that stuff. $12, and I'm actually trying to get Blueprint on the podcast for working out a day and time that works for everybody. And then August 25th, we will be opening up for Compliments to the One. It will be their release show as well. It will be at Larimer Lounge. As always, thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast, watches the podcast, and supports it in any way. I know you hear it all day, every day, and all the videos you watch, the podcasts you listen to, but when you like, comment, and subscribe, it, uh, it really helps me out. And I love doing the podcast, and I love it even more when I know that all of you are enjoying it. On today's episode, I had Dalton Telshow, aka The Polite Heretic, on the podcast. He's a solo math rock artist, and he actually explained what math rock is. Um, he explained to me the meaning behind the band name, and also what a Wook is. It's uh, not a Wookiee from Star Wars. It's a completely different thing. If you want to know about it, listen to the episode. Uh, All together, we had a great conversation, and I think it was the longest podcast. It was like an hour and 45 minutes, but it was awesome. And he's a great guy, and I'm stoked for you guys to hear this. So without further ado, this is... The Polite Heretic on episode number 31 of the Don't Start a Band podcast. Cue the music. This is episode number 31 of the Don't Start a Band podcast with the polite heretic. Yes. yes. Also known as Dalton. What was the last show one? Show and tell. Tell show. Tell show. Okay. <laughs> we were talking about it before we started the podcast, and I knew that he told me, but I was like, I am not going to try and like. Names are weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I'd let you. Uh, kick that part off well thank you so uh thank you for coming on the podcast thanks for having me first one back in the studio actually in a while since uh um i had pacific nerve in here and that was when it was cold outside okay and now it's fucking 90 degrees I so know, right uh tell everybody a little bit about yourself how you got into music and how you got to july 3rd 2019 oh, well, back in 1864, I reckon, uh, I was, I mean, let's see how far back. I mean, if we're talking about when I... You were I, a seed within a seed within a seed. When the universe began. No, I, uh, I got my first no guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was 10 when I got my first guitar. Uh, I had 
One of my grandmas sent me some Fender Here You Go with an Esteban VHS tape and I got it for Christmas and I was like, oh, this is a thing that exists. And it just didn't really click with me yet. I was still Was very... it like a Squire or was it a yeah, Fender local? It was like a Fender Squire, but it was like this weird QVC Esteban model. Oh, okay. Like if you get the tapes, you get this this guitar. It was... Like a Costco guitar. Exactly. That was my first one. It was a Starcaster. Okay. Starcaster. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about, actually. Fresh out of Costco. Oh, yeah. That balsa wood fretboard vibe. Hell, yeah. I learned a lot of Blink-182 on that guitar. As you should. That's what Starcasters are best for. Yeah, I think it was Blink-182 and uh, Alkaline Trio and any pretty song that I thought a okay. girl would like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me... I didn't even really start connecting guitar to girls or anything yeah. within my world until I was like 15. I got a, a Mexi Strat from my older adopted brother, gave me oh, that, yeah. and a, like a 15-watt Johnson amp. Was Just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with a Mexi Strat. No, they're the best a. starter. And B, you can put regular Stratocaster pickups in it and make it sound just fine. That's exactly. what I do with my Jazzmaster. Oh, there you go. Put like Jazzmaster pickups in it. Sounds wonderful. Purs. Right on. Hell so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Elsa. Oh, you're good. No, I, uh, I basically diddled around on that and listened to uh, <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold. I know it was a big one. Uh, I had to get out of my Creed face because that was unfortunately the first album I ever got. You know what? We all had one. Oh, man. It's dark times. It's yes. dark times. But we made it out. We've all had phases. Yes. I mean, good Charlotte was good for a while. Until they weren't. Until you got older and learned that all the, the big kids said that they were uh, not good. Yeah. That must have been hard, though, being a fan of Avenged Sevenfold and starting to play guitar. Because, like, thankfully... I was a Blink-182 fan. Those mm -hmm. guitar parts are not hard. But you hear Avenged Sevenfold, and like that's almost... It was a lot to bite off. And I, I grew up on the other side of the state. So I grew up in Delta, which is a very conservative ranch town, farm okay. folk. There's about three guitars and maybe two musicians in the entire town. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. And so there, there's not a lot of influence to draw off of. And so, yeah, finding like... Avenge Sevenfold and uh, what else was it like? P oh God, P.O.D. Yeah, just certain riffs, like especially because <clears throat> it was around the Waking the Fallen, City of Evil era, and so okay, very riff centric yeah. Avenge Sevenfold. And it was a lot, but I, I looked at it and I was like, this is I. It was the first time I could see sound moving, if that makes sense. Like it does make sense. Like like with Blink One Eighty Two, that was a really good example. Like you knew they were making sounds, but yeah. you couldn't intonate it as to where it was well yeah because before you play an instrument it's just all coming at you at once at the same time but then you start like playing guitar or like you know playing drums and then you hear the different parts and then you see it almost moving as if it's guitar hero or rock band exactly you yeah you, you just see how it all glues together yeah yeah exactly and so you started learning Avenged sevenfold Trying to, uh, um, I I didn't. Metal has always been this this home I could come to, even if I'm bad at metal. Oh. My bad. Oh, 
Hold on. It's all YouTube good. Live. I don't know if they can still see us. I, I mean, to be fair, I can't see me most of the time. Hey! Okay, good. I'm um, still here. There, I'm turning off my fucking phone. <laughs> I'm just glad Damn I me. <laughs> it's your fault. I'm just kidding. Um, where were we? We were at Avenged Sevenfold and talking about learning Avenged Sevenfold. Oh, metal being your home. Oh, metal being this home I could to. come to because I suck at writing metal. And I hate, I hate admitting it, but it's also something I know. It's uh, like metal core back in the day that was very, yeah. very kind to me. Just a little bounce back. Yeah. So I could always have fun with that. And then that's kind of how my musical journey started because I went to college in Grand Junction for like a semester for music business right after high school. And I decided that was not what I wanted to do. And then you bolted out of Grand Junction. Yep, as fast as I could and got up to Denver because there's more than three venues within a hundred mile radius. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just, do I want a, the real life experience versus this textbook fed thing yeah. that might have worked 10 years ago? So I mean, I know some wonderful people that live in Grand Junction, but some of those wonderful people will also tell you that Grand Junction may not be the place to be. Yeah. It's, and that's pulling teeth to get that, that answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've played there, been there a couple times, mm -hmm. obviously. And uh, it's cool for a weekend, walking down Main Street. <laughs> yes. Uh, going to the Mesa Theater is cool. Yep. But um, then you get to leave. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And if you're gonna, you know, start a musical journey, Denver is definitely a good starting point. Yeah. And, and when when was this? I got up to Denver full time, like end of 2012, start of 2013. Okay. And then after that, I. Went through a couple of those, you know, bands that are bands that don't do anything. Like, yep. I remember uh, what is now Uncultured Swine back when it was I Set Sail. I, I remember doing guitar for them for a little bit and nothing got done. But that was, wasn't was anyone's fault. It's just where, oh, yeah. where the bloom was at at the time. And then... I've definitely had a couple of those. Yeah, it's those phases. They're good you stuff. You have to. Yeah. Because that teaches you what not to do exactly or it's paying dues. you know how to be productive as opposed to what you're doing exactly i it's... had a project called john mooney and the sunscreen sideburns okay which i plan on returning to one day it shall live but at the time it just not lining up nope it happens it happens not that time yeah maybe next time anyway anyway uh so after uh i set sail I had a mutual friend from Cedar Edge named Jordan who knew I was looking for a band. I had a $200 Dean guitar and gosh darn it, I, w I had it tuned to drop B. Let's, let's get things Damn. done. Yeah. And so he introduced me to what is now Under Auburn Skies. And uh, those guys uh, were working on setting up a podcast as well. That's going to be good. They do good on podcasts. They do really? Oh, yeah. I haven't... Sorry, AJ and uh, the rest of the guys. I haven't 
watched your other podcasts. But you should listen to the After Image EP because it's really good. Definitely. Yeah. uh, Back when they, we were still called uh, Refusing Anubis. And again, that was pretty much an I set sale thing. Nothing got done. (laughs) We got some really cool logos out of it, though. Um, And then that turned into uh, I the Captive. And that was essentially the same folks. We switched up a drummer, um, got a new vocalist. And then that was the first thing that actually gained a little bit of traction. Like we had an EP ready, we're getting some shows ready. Hell yeah. But it was, I was basically a fill in at that point. So I wasn't really, I was learning the parts and I was playing the parts, but I wasn't writing the parts or, you know, contributing my own flavor to it. And so. Which is cool for a little while, but. It's great to get your feet wet there. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's paying dues again. And so for. And I still love everyone that's in that band. I have no ill will with any of them. But after a while, I realized that I wanted to see what I could do just by myself. And this is around the same time that I've found out about bands like Chan and Polyphia and Covet and that whole instrumental scene over here. Hell yeah. Which is something that really resonated with me. And it just was someone I wanted to run with. And so... I decided to leave I the Captive and started. I tried to do metal at first. I had a weird yeah. thing that I got to practice off. It was called Sacred Chaos, and it lasted one practice. And I was like, nope, we're doing Polyphia stuff. No doubt. And so. That's yeah. the most out of the. Well, I guess I said sales, not. But it's uh, a lot more normal than refusing Anubis. Yeah. That that's, a, that's a lot of use. <laughs> well, I guess it's like two, but still, it feels it, like it's 30. I, I know exactly. It feels like it takes a while. Uh, that that was definitely a discovery phase for everyone because that that had a Pat from uh, It's Always Sunny in Tijuana, who okay. I like went to high school with. And then, Damn. Yeah, yeah, we go way back. Um, yeah, it was just weird <clears throat> to now be able to look at just where the the development was happening. And so, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much gets to July 3rd, pretty much. As I've been listening to Chon and Covet, chilling in my basement, just Hell yeah. writing some weird stuff. Nice. <laughs> so from there, you just kind of started writing? Or uh, well, you just started learning that style? Started learning that style slash writing, because I'd always been doodling around in my bedroom, like, after I the captive practice or whatever, yeah. I'd still go try to write my own thing, but it was still trying to get shoved into this metal cookie cutter that just yeah. wasn't meshing with me. And so I started teaching myself how to produce and like mix with synthesizers and you know, learn serum and all the stuff that goes into that. And uh, yeah, just kind of learning that style and learning the, the intricacies of why is this sound this way and why is this sound that way? And, it was really interesting, and on the whole other side, I never stopped writing poetry. Um, that was something I've just always done since I was like 15, and uh, it's just been this little... The way metal was a home to me, poetry is my bedrock home. Like, if nice. metal fails, I can still go to poetry. You know, yeah. So. Well, thankfully, both those things kind of go hand in hand. Right. Uh, when... So you're kind of learning the styles, writing things. When did you decide, like, okay, I got, you know, a solid foundation. I'm going to 
slap a name on this, i.e. polite heretic, and uh, move forward with it. That was, I believe, August of last year. Um, I had just released my second poetry book, and it had sold out. And so I was like, well, now I need something else to do. Yeah. Because what do you do after your book sells out and do something else? Um, so, what or do you pro- mean sells out? I sold. I, I'm oversold. I technically am on back order, but it's. Do you make them yourself? Yeah, I, I have a, a publishing software that I use. It's called Bookwrite, oh, and so yeah, I've been doing that. That's fucking awesome. Thank you. Yeah. How do you get that out there? Uh, Not that I plan on it, releasing poetry, but I mean, share. I mean, just how do you get anything out there? You know, yeah, it's, it's, that's true putting every post and ounce of energy you have into it and just letting people know that you got a little piece of your soul that you can hold in your hand and here you go and so you can spread that around however you see fit but uh yeah (laughs) nice uh quick side note have you ever heard of a band called i think they're called marafiki or marafiki I just opened for Macari. I haven't heard of Mara Fiki, though. So I met this dude. I was, uh, my group that I was with had left me by myself at, uh, at Red Rocks when Death Cab for Cutie was here. Okay. And this dude just came and, like, sat down next to me. And there was, like, a ton of space on either side, but he just sits right next to me. And, uh, I forget what the artist's name was that was playing before Death Cab, but she was, it wasn't for me. Right. And so I turned to him and I was like, you, you came to see her, didn't you? And he was one of those people who just can't say anything bad about anything. And he goes, (laughs) you know, I really like the style and blah, 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 blah. Like he lives in the pre, but like that whole, I know, but he never says, but if you think about it though, how important is the butt. Well, <laughs> okay. The how, butt is vital. How, Jake. I know. <laughs> how important is like how come people don't just stop at the I like this? Because Why do you have to continue with the I. There's like? this socially implied need for gratitude, or like I'd call it just being. I don't want to say if she's a facetious prick, mostly because I can't pronounce it. Um, yeah. Without stumbling. But um, there's just this implied, yeah, there's so much support and care and love and g- genuine yeah. understanding here. But. And yeah. they throw that but at the end. And I don't know. I think both sides of the butt are equally important. Both cheeks, dude. Both cheeks. Yeah. It's yes. almost like people uh, trying to establish something in common with other people through the means of negativity yeah and where did that come from yeah. why like why don't you just say what you like yeah i mean that's kind of where polite heretic came from the idea okay. it came from a silent planet song so i should have looked this up before and a lot of people are probably gonna say that i should have already known What's a heretic? Uh, a heretic is someone who just generally is opposed to what society okay. holds as norms. So, like, it's just someone who opposes generally accepted ideals and okay. ways of thinking. And so, 
Because for some <laughs> reason, I was thinking like a heretic was like an anti-religious figure. In some in in some ways, it is. Um, it kind probably of, more so back in the day when religion was more of a you, you know heresy. To, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, exactly. So it wasn't too far off. No, and it really is like honestly, but by definition, that's what it is. But it is very inherent upon context. Yeah. Uh, like for example, there's a Silent Planet song called Orphan, and there's a lyric that says. If love is a sin, I'll become the heretic. And so I really resonated with that just because, you know, that's it's 2019 and people are either commercializing or dismissing love entirely. And I think there is a, a lost genuine spark that For sure. is vital to just existence as a whole. But that's me listening to Chan again. Um, no, I mean, that's a very uh, refreshing perspective. And now, like, you having explained that, you know, the polite heretic, you know, somebody who opposes this shit, but you're not, like, going out and searching for conflict. Yeah, we can still disagree and still get along. Like, yeah. we don't have to be at each other's throats because we're on different sides of a topic, whatever it be. That's another thing is people can't just disagree no. like i uh everything's so such a tragedy yeah it's so one-sided for a lot of people but uh i uh um play with this thing it's called the kendama oh yeah okay i'm, uh, I'm smelling what you're stepping in yeah i'm slightly obsessed slow right bro <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But I'm on this page, the Facebook Kendama community, and I had a question I wanted to ask just because like everybody posts their videos and it always has like the lo-fi hip hop or EDM right. as like the music behind it. And I just wanted to ask why, but I went into like a half a paragraph explaining <laughs> I'm not against it. I ha I'm not looking for yeah anything like that. I'm honestly just curious and would like to have a healthy conversation. Yeah, because I, I believe that you can disagree. I mean, obviously, there's people who are in the wrong, i.e., you know, KKK, yeah, uh, psychopaths, shit like that. Yeah, obviously, extremist but shit. Yeah, as far as like you know what you like musically or. Yeah. You know, how you feel about certain topics. I feel like you can disagree. You and can. everything's okay as long as you're not infringing on other people. Yeah. I think there's a large facet of that. Hence the polite. Yeah. Just don't be a dick. Crazy concept. Don't but be I, a fucking dick. I think, like, sarcasm through text. Like, that's a very hard thing to <laughs> yeah. emote, right? And Just so I skip think, it all together. Well, I think that disagreeing with someone and still maintaining that connection i think that's very much a still in-person thing that can happen i oh, ideally yeah. it can happen online but the internet is still this weird fabricated fourth dimension we've stuffed into a third dimension and we're trying to put our entire third dimension selves into that one and it just doesn't translate well well it's crazy how much people are pulling out of that third dimension like they get sucked in yeah. transformed and then try and like pull it out like have you ever oh, noticed yeah. some people speak in memes oh i do i definitely do when like, i don't have anything against it but i i remember like you oh, know the camera first will steal your times, soul man yeah first couple of times hearing it when people are like 
Catch me outside. How about that? Not even that. No. When you're, you know, with somebody in that moment when you realize you're live on YouTube. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I guess we're in that moment. Yeah, because all and moments are moments. I guess. But, uh, yeah, getting stuck in that, especially because, I mean, it's good because so many people are communicating with tons more people that they probably would have never communicated with, but... At what cost? <laughs> yeah, well, and when there's, you know, you've never met this person, you don't know their sense of humor or anything like yeah. that, um, you hear it in your own tone how you might say these things or respond to these things, and, uh, you know, if you're a negative person, you're automatically going to assume yeah. that people are being negative. Exactly, yeah, I think this is... It's very much this is like baby steps right now like in a hundred years they're gonna look back and be like oh man they didn't know what they were in for and so i think they're we're, gonna look at videos like this and be like yeah. what the fuck like, were they, they doing they had to point the camera at it and do just all the weird technical stuff we have to do now like we're still evolving i don't i don't know why this doesn't come up more like humanity never stopped evolving like yeah at least for, in my opinion i think we're still going up the curve to whatever this is like well and to try and think that we should have it all figured out right now i mean that's the that's the thing about you know people that are our age who get disappointed that they don't have x y and z yeah but it you know it, they still they why for, you know exactly you well the whole point for me I think a good theory <clears throat> is that the the fact that we get to ask why at all is kind of the point because people who do have X, Y, and Z, they're very bored yes. and they don't know what to do now that they have X, Y, and Z. And so they look at... Or they never wanted to obtain X, Y, and Z. And it just know. kind of fell in and they wake up and they're like, oh, I'm trapped by X, Y, and Z. The grass is always greener, right? Mm -hmm. Every time. Every time. Except but, for that whole desk job thing. Man. No, that thing can still rot. That doesn't uh, jive with me at all. Good benefits, though. Great benefits. I fucking guess so. <laughs> Benefit is you get that big butt. Exactly. You know, you got to stay thick for the government benefits, bud. I guess. Mm -hmm. Got cash in on the insurance. Absolutely. Uh, so, circling back to the polite heretic yeah i love little tangents like that especially if it's meaningful and you're talking about philosophical things like that yeah um so is that kind of does your poetry revolve around the uh mentality behind the polite heretic or did you kind of adopt what you were writing in your poetry into what you hope to achieve out of the music Kind of both. That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to go with both yeah. and also yes, because... Because like when you first started writing poetry, it was probably like things that you were feeling that you just like put straight to paper. Yeah, and that's kind of still how I approach art at all is, you know, as I am a meme. You know, I am in this moment and in yeah. this moment I am feeling this. And so... Talk about a terrible band. I know, right? I don't like that. At all. I know, just the worst. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> no. Um, so if I'm writing poetry, it, and it definitely does go down these two different routes, like because I've always got that creative energy going, and if I feel yeah. it gearing more towards my mouth, then mm -hmm. I'll try to put it into words and put it onto paper right then, just whatever's 
choosing to come out at that particular point. And if it's music, I'll go the different way, but the same side of the coin. And so I'd say I write and play music the exact same way. It's just, uh, I am the polite heretic, but so can you, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you, it's living for a living and that's your art and learning to that's fucking deep dude thanks man that that's buddy wakefield and listener that's that's not listeners fucking tight yeah uh that song wooden heart changed my life man i'm getting a sleeve from that song hell yeah straight up yeah uh gives me chills every time i listen you ever heard of a buddy wakefield i have not buddy wakefield uh this is from a ken arkine poem oh okay and he's a denver local for a while he was in new zealand now with his girlfriend and they're amazing yeah Who's that guy that used to travel around with like being as an ocean hotel books? Uh, no, I like that too. Um, Levi the poet. Yes, that's what it was. The guy yeah. that like between sets he'd get on. Stage. And he's got a little projector. And he's, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, the first time I saw him, I think being as an ocean was headlining at the marquee, and like he had nothing. He just got up and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna say some poetry," and it was <laughs> yes. like some heavy shit, and everyone's just yeah. Like, he dropped like kaleidoscopes, and everyone was just like, yeah. "Okay, like, I guess I'm gonna right, cry enjoy now." The next band, and it's like they're just picking up their lungs and hearts off right. the floor. You yeah. gave me all these feelings, and now I have to drive home. <laughs> you know no, what? No, he's fantastic. Uh, it was honest, though. Yeah. The dude will get you right in the ventricle. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to grab sure. it and rub it a little bit. And then blow it up. Yes. So a question I get all the time, when you're actually approaching a song, what comes first, the lyrics or the music? I have a feeling... You kind of already answered this, and yeah. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. But Should I just say it for the record? Or? <laughs> yeah, go into detail on it for other people, because that's kind of what this podcast is about. I mean, it's don't start a band until you hear from these people. Okay, because you know I, mean? I was wondering about the, yeah, the vibe Yeah, that's what that. it's supposed to be. Like uh, One time I asked this band to be on, and they were like, is this a fucking joke? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't think this is a joke. Is it? Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things because for people who like podcasts who might not be musicians, they probably honestly, you know, wonder yeah. about every single band. Okay, how it yeah. Comes to be. Well, I mean, for the reason I kept them separate is because I writing like Tron and Polyphian, all those bands, it's usually very complex tappy guitar stuff so it doesn't yeah. leave a lot of room for you to do you like tiny moving parts i do like tiny moving. i fucking do they just tiny got signed parts. i've been following tiny moving parts for a bit i'm so happy for those guys They're i'm stoked for their next record the yeah. new single they released that was rad fire yeah Straight i like the fire. effect they're using on his vocal and yeah it was very uh, well produced because swell and celebrate were like kind of it almost seemed like one long record, you know? It yeah. had like a similar sound and feel, and this feels more like... Very... They went into a studio yeah. and made an album. Exactly. Yeah, which I'm very stoked to hear from them, because I feel like they do very Hell good yeah. work with that. But uh, Anyway, back to Tappy. Yeah, back to Tappy Weird Stuff. Uh, there's a lot of Tappy Weird Stuff, and I it's don't... It's probably hard to like just freestyle lyrics. Yeah, and to that, do huh? words over that, I mean... Just the weird trance-like yeah. state you can get yourself thrown into. I mean, ideally, you're just sitting there, just, you know, getting into it. Just What was that again? Just lost <laughs> to the world, man, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah, just 
plugged in and going. <laughs> I fucking love that. Yeah, but what I realized when I would get to that that part when I had it all dialed in is that I can't do them at the same time. It's very hard to say a lot of wordy words while you're doing oh, yeah. a lot of riffy riffs. And so I mean if you're gonna freestyle it though, it's almost like you have to work with the exact rhythm that you're doing. Exactly. But like people like Naya Azumi, Naya Azumi, he the guy who won a tiny desk. Okay. Oh my gosh. He's incredible. Incredible. But uh I I realized that I didn't wanna have to half ass two things to yeah. put them together. So Leave this undiluted words thing over here and let it have its own life and then do the same thing with music. So for, for me, when I approach a song, it's definitely, I think the general groove will hit and I'll just get it in my head of like how, how I want to move and how I want the people to move. Because when I play live, that's what I'm shooting for is this is yeah. a moment that we're all in. Let's move thusly because i think a musician is a conductor of the any given moment and oh, so for sure learning to connect all the people in that moment and getting that's got to be hard though with like math rock and odd time signatures and stuff like that like you're gonna explain to me what exactly what math rock is but i know roughly that it's it's different time signatures you know it's and not see, I cheat. one two three i do i do straight four standard tuning and but because math rock by definition is extended chords, odd time signatures, and that's generally the tool rule. And odd like rhythms and shit. Odd rhythms like polymeters and <clears throat> off beats, dotted eighth notes, shit like that. Diet jazz. Okay. Yeah. Diet jazz. Diet jazz. And so what I wanted to do is coming from the new style metal gent world. And that whole meme, yeah, into the math rock meme is Gent just goes and see if you don't know what that is, uh, YouTube or Google search it's D J E N T, and just look it up and you'll you'll understand. If you're anything like me, it'll just go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's incredible. I mean, you should probably get like. I don't know. I was going to say you should probably get high and then you'll be like, okay, I can kind of feel it. But then I could also see if you got like really and Someone stoned, just gets attacked by after the And then the you're just like, oh. <laughs> might give you anxiety. Whatever helps you groove. Yeah. Get in the groove and yeah. then just ride the ride the wave. Just know with Gent, there's a high possibility that you will never find that groove. Oh, yeah. Definitely. For me, I, it just... I. I don't. I can respect it being a drummer and like respecting rhythms. I can respect that they're doing some crazy shit. But yeah. as far as like listening to it, I try and process it too hard, and it hurts my brain. And right. it's like, you know how some people can't text and walk at the same mm -hmm. time. It's kind of like that. You can't, I can't do math do and anything groove. else. I have to listen to that and only that. Yeah, that's how. Because I listen to a lot of like between the barrier to me and weird stuff like yeah. that. And that's did animals as leaders do kind of some shit like that. Uh, in terms of like Jen, oh yeah, um, well rhythms and Tosin, shit. he took Victor Wooten, the bassist. He took his yeah. thumping technique and literally reinvented it. So yeah, he's definitely done. Victor Wooten's a bad motherfucker. Victor a bad motherfucker. Goddamn right. But uh, where were we? Um, 
Something about how I write a song in the groove. Oh, yeah. Lyric. Yeah. Well, it started Keeping from the... lyrics and music. Yes. So once I figure out how I want the, the, the folks in the moment to move, uh, I, I decide what that moment looks like because it's all an envisioned moment. Every song has this ideal, perfect setting that I'll know while it's playing if yeah. I'm in it. You know, like... When the show goes really well and you're like, oh, okay, this is it. We're here. Yeah. And so that's really what I'm living for is is looking for those moments. Yeah. And so finding also out. Also, those it's almost like those moments where you transcend the stage. And it's almost like, you know, when you get up there, you're trying to, like, pull people in. And I get to a point, like, no offense, nobody, like, take this the wrong way. I get to a point where... I almost don't care if anybody else is digging it because I am so You're into in it. it. And because you play music for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times if when you get into that state, people will recognize it mm -hmm. and resonate with it. So and that's a big, big deal about because it is just me up there. And so I would love to just cozy up and be like, yeah sound right now yeah. i'm just playing for me cool but, but you have to have like that commanding presence exactly. and then that introverted like it's balancing technical it. yeah. yeah it's it's learning to ride the waves and bring everyone up with you because you're i mean if you want to be all wookie about it you're not transcending the stage you're you are the stage and everyone in the like behind the stage and all that good stuff and so you're, you're bringing everyone along for the ride and it's only up if you play well so yeah yeah, it's it's I don't know. See, I feel like even if you mess up, you know, if you have a good attitude about it, like people will respect the fact that you are a musician actually playing an instrument. You know what and I mean? And that's kind of what happened to me at Seventh Circle. Yeah. I uh everybody wants to know that everybody else is human. Exactly. And that's a big thing about when folks say, "Oh, I could never do that." Or I the, the you really could it's just your priorities as a fellow human who yeah. is just as human as me they just have you prioritized towards something else like if you really wanted to yeah you as a person could totally choose to do this and so and if you're not a musician comparing yourself to a musician is a losing battle 100 percent of the time well i if you think it's anything against you that you can't do that but you don't aspire to be a musician what kind it's of complex pointless. is that? Yeah. yeah, but I think, and this is the Wook in me again, is every no one's born. Are you deaf. a Wook? Oh, I'm, yeah. That's how I found Chan. Uh, have it, you have we reached this point in the podcast? Like, if I, I feel exposed, like you you wouldn't be. Uh, I'm like a I Chad mean, Wook. I'm I'm like undercover. But like know. you, you've probably seen those pages that are like the Wook hunting. Oh, I'm on those pages. <laughs> like. A member or oh, like people have taken active, pictures. Of active. Me. I haven't been bagged in touch. Because you're you're not like. Uh, I ain't got the dreads. Yeah, yeah. you're not. I say I'm an undercover wook. You're not anything to like brag about in the wook community area. Thank you. you know Thank what I mean? you. <laughs> and see, I take that as something I can brag about in the wook community. <laughs> you're uh, you're on that higher level, dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'd say your third eye is more open than others. Don't tell my friends you said that. Like, they're going to see this part. They're going to be like, oh, my God. Who told him that? We're going to have to kick his ass or something now. But no. I know. I, I'm talking about shit that I don't understand. I, so. I know enough to know I don't know much, you know. So it's it's all what you know. Isn't that 
what they say that the man who knows that he doesn't know anything like is knows smart. all yeah or knows all and then the man who thinks he knows everything knows nothing yeah yeah there's a lot of a uh, uh, wise man and a, a foolish foolish man and the loudness of their voice versus wise men and the, the how seldom the they choice speak of yeah. Their, yeah um oh, wow that was a <laughs> detour okay where did that land us at the wook oh the talking about Fuck, we might as well. Oh, oh, uh, how I found Chon. Uh, yeah, and if yeah, we've oh. gotten to the the point of the podcast where I can tell you how I met Chon, like in my life, in terms of we were watching. It was me and like eight other people in an apartment. We're all tripping balls at like two in the morning, and uh, someone decided to put on the video for Story by Chon after two hours of metal videos straight and okay. and this is when I was still in the metal band and we were like yeah bro now and they put on the video for story which is a very brightly colored nature oriented video yeah. and so probably like, a little bit of a relief after metal <sighs> videos oh yeah well we were doing like astral body from BT BAM and like uh, like shadow Moses so yeah it was very oh, okay. uplifting and it, yeah. it just it just cracked me open like an egg it just I was like, oh, okay, yeah, buy metal. I'm going to go do Damn. this now. And yeah, I literally remember that moment. And it was just this girl who happened to be there. I've hung out with her like twice since. I hadn't seen her before. Yeah. She's just a mutual friend that came in. She's like, oh, I'll put this on. Floated just, in. Just fucked up your whole world. And floated then... out. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> Damn. That's a defining moment like that like you know I can't tell you the first time I listened to you know certain bands that are my favorite bands but uh, yeah an existential moment like that that'll that'll change your life it will for the better right Uh, yeah well I had like a weird three year period where I was trying to have as many of those moments as possible (laughs) I have what you would call a drug addiction, and so that's that's been a whole theme I've gone through. You were space traveling. Oh, oh, we're always space traveling, honey. You know what I'm saying? Well, so. <laughs> in the Wook community, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is it ketamine? Yes. Is a big thing. Just trying to float on to the next hole? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. I've heard some crazy stories about that. Man, I... Personally, I mean, I've never done it, but it doesn't sound like it's for me. Yeah, it's not for everyone. wasn't for Ollie Sykes either, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy that he said he was taking it, like, every day. Yeah, well, that's the first time I saw The Flower of Life was on the Sempaternal album, which is where he got clean from ketamine. Yeah. And so, and finding The Flower of Life was a another big moment for me and so what is the flower of life it's that the thing all the wooks have with the overlaying rings like is it kind of like this type of thing yeah. but it's so like the i've seen it like obviously i've seen that album cover is it because i know there's sacred geometry and that whole thing but is that thing that they used on their album cover is it unique to that album cover or is that exact design in other places it's they they took out like five rings because it's normally like a complete circle of circles okay. and but they like edged it out and made it stylish so it's not ex- 
that design is very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Their version of it, not so much, which is kind of what the flower of life is, is a bunch of overlaying perspectives all conjoining to form one perspective. And so, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what it symbolizes. I mean, to me, it can mean something okay. to someone else. <laughs> what is sacred geometry? Yes. Uh, Sacred geometry is for me. While like, we're on this subject, like if you're I know gonna crack little... open the look egg, all right, man. I mean, you don't have to crack open the egg if you don't want I'm to. I'm down. No one ever lets me crack it open. Hell, you know what? I haven't spent a lot of time with quote unquote wooks. Um, not by choice, just because like I haven't found myself yeah, in those situations. Like I grew up in. You know, a certain scene like going to warp tour, yeah. a lot of pop punk shows, hardcore yeah. shows, shit like that. And you don't really find a lot of looks. There's not a lot the of other, but there are, um, you know, some aspects of my life, books I've read, shit like that, that, you know, overlays. Uh, yeah, kind of overlays flower of life dude mm-hmm. and uh within the last year i got into the grateful dead hey. my friends fucking hate it but uh it's mine too it's all good man the thing is is <laughs> and i don't know if i've said this on the podcast but for the longest time i was just like yeah it's for fucking hippies jam bands fuck that shit yeah i like three minute songs tops yeah not acknowledging the fact that I accidentally write six-minute songs all the time. <laughs> Super prog, bro. But uh, I watched their documentary, and when they started talking about uh, recording, like, Working Man's Dead and... Um, the Rainbow Experiments and all fuck, that? Fuck, what's the other one? Working Man's Dead. American Beauty. American Beauty, that's yeah. right. Um, and they were talking about it, and they played, like, Casey Jones and... Ripple. Yeah. I was like... Oh shit! This is like they got some bangers. This is like you know folk rock. Yeah, which is the shit that I like. And Americana. so I was like, okay, I'll you know, I'll listen to it. I'll separate the the body odor from the music. Yeah, and uh, you know, I found that like Europe seventy two, the complete That's recordings. That peak man. That it, it's rock and roll. You know yeah. what I mean? I wouldn't even. Of course, they like you know expand bridges and they have like the drums. A lot of those shows, they didn't even do drums and space. It was just drums. But, uh, you know, because Phil get too high. Yeah, they were a rock and roll band. Yeah. And I fucking love rock and roll. So, did you ever hear? Because when you say documentary, are you talking about the, the one on Netflix? So, what opened my mind was the Bob Weir documentary. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, on Netflix. It's incredible. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is, you know, this is kind of neat. Like you when know, they're in Egypt and playing with the bats swirling. Yeah. That's a crazy story. I was like, you know, this is unique. He's a really good guitar player. It's a really fascinating story. Yeah. And then somebody told me to watch Long Strange Trip on Prime. And that's what, like, after watching that, I was like, okay, I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. Uh, my mom actually got to kill a bot. She used to, she's from San Francisco. Okay. And so she were, used to work across the street from uh, the venue called the Coliseum. And uh, the dead came through in like 84, and she had a bottle of Jack. And so she killed a bottle of Jack with Bob and Jerry. Damn. And Stevie Nicks came through a few months after. And she, mom, Mom's an old head, dude. Mom's got some crazy stories. But uh, Damn. 
Yeah, I I really liked. I love the Grateful Dead, and my friends give me a lot of crap for it too. But the the Ken Kesey acid experiments are probably my favorite part of their entire story about how yeah. they would just go into this room. They had their dollar cup of Kool Aid, and they're just. I'm just jealous of the fact that they had a place to go where people were open to listening to them already and they got to experiment. Well, they didn't even, and the crazy thing is they didn't know that environment was open to it because no one had tried it. Yeah. And so they had to wait for that moment to go up. And the fact that they were holding it together that well without half of the stuff we have these days that's like a super expanded version of the guy in animal house that's playing the guitar on the stairs like the guy who brings his guitar to the party that's like super expanded we're gonna bring the whole fucking band to this party everyone's fucked up yeah and we're just gonna see how this goes but like the their legacy went from that to just like they were on the dea website like you could follow LSD through America in like the 70s yeah. by following the schedule of the Grateful Dead. Like that's what DEA agents were trained to do. It's insanity. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. I mean, that was an easy like if you hadn't busted anybody all month but the Grateful Dead came through, that was an easy bust. Exactly. It's just it's just crazy to think that that's that's almost 70 years ago. I mean, 50 cuz they came out in like 69. So that's 50, yeah. 50, 60 years ago? Yeah. And that's how concentrated, without internet or any any of this stuff we have, they got that many people to get dedicated to this one thing. Well, that picture that always blows my mind is the one where they pulled up like the flatbed trailer and they closed down like, what was it, like four city blocks or yeah, something? And it's, and it's like got San the Francisco? picture of those people like sitting on the roof and then it's just a sea of people. Yeah. Just because they pulled up this flatbed and chose to play for free. And we're just there. Yeah. And that was without posting anything on Facebook. That was all just people who were stoked about music. Yeah. And there was just that genuine connection and drive to participate in that and also celebrate it. And that that was something I've always appreciated about bands like Pink Floyd, Grateful Dead. Yeah, you lost me at being fun. Oh, okay. None of the Sid Barrett stuff. That dude was weird, but... I just... I have tried. And you know what? I do respect them, their songwriting, uh, their musicianship, the fact that their guitar player sold all of his guitars. And then... And gave it to Chariot. Dave Gilmore. Yeah. Confirmed Jesus. But, uh... It just, you know, it doesn't hit the pleasure centers in my brain. It's all good, man. That's, that's but I, I have nothing against people who enjoy it. Oh yeah, people Maybe love to just, just more enlightened than me. No, it's just people <laughs> like to just zone out on one note. It's yeah. the the David Gilmore Steve Vai argument is: Do you want to ride the wave, or you just want to sit and cry in six minutes of echoes and just <laughs> just <laughs> as opposed to. <laughs> It's just whatever whatever hits your jimmies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, See, we have water. I forgot. I know, dude. <laughs> Doing this podcast, it makes your mouth dry. Oh god. And sometimes, uh, you know, talking this much, sometimes if I'm like really getting mouthy, I get a headache. Ooh. But I uh, I drink enough water today, so I sh- I should be good. Good job. Um. So anyway, going back to the uh, music or lyrics first. 
I have a feeling that you and I do, um, we go about it in a similar way because, I mean, I, I wrote a few poems here and there, nothing that, you know, I ever really wanted to show to anybody, but I get like these rhymes and lyrical ideas and subject matters and shit in my head mm -hmm. and I'll write lyrics and keep it completely separate. I just write them in a book yeah. and they just stay in that book. And then like, you know, I'll wake up, have an idea for an instrumental thing, like a melody and I'll do that. And then, you know, I'll bring my book into the studio and I'll just read lyrics. And sometimes it'll be like, you know, both feelings that I have when I wrote both these things. Yeah, just, just together. Clicked. I mean, don't get me wrong. There has been times where I do the instrumental and then the way that the music you know, makes me feel after I've created the melody mm -hmm. I come up with lyrics, but, um, I definitely have that like separate lyrics and music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thing. Keeping the lyrics is like a mantra almost. Cause I, I've got like three separate notebooks. I have like one for poems and then I have one for just random phrases I want to remember. And then I have one for things I'd potentially turn into songs. And I, I think that's my one, hang up right now is gluing those two things together and matching yeah. up exactly like rhythmically ideally like idealistically um just all elements of both sides it's a little tricky uh it's something i'm definitely looking into and going yeah. into it i've definitely been music first let it kind of lay the bedrock and pave the road of the whole moment you're in and yeah. then <clears throat> kind of fill it all in with lyrics but <clears throat> i've heard of people doing it exactly the opposite i've heard of people doing it that way it's just learning your own process is yeah. is a, at least a third of the fun of it well yeah and if you're writing them separate and then trying to match it to the rhythms i could see how that would be difficult and you That's gotta rough. like you know break words in half and say them on yeah, different like phrases syllabic and... counts as pertaining to how many measures you have and you're like i have 16 syllables to talk about the universe okay yeah, no, it's yeah. not going to fit. <laughs> no, I... Until it does. I have that a lot of time, but thankfully, uh, you know, the songs that I write have a little more of a straight feel, but, like, when I do get more rhythmic and have those ideas, it is really fun, you know, breaking up the words and, um, uh, you know, if you were to say like end a line with like uh i am fully in this place blah blah yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah you know what i mean like breaking it up like that uh it sounds really dumb when i'm talking about it but if you listen to songs like yeah. a ton of people will do it and that's because, why i love jen <laughs> yeah like going back to well jen. it completes an idea <laughs> here and then you hear the next line and it completes an idea. Exactly. Yeah, but I've, I've always been fascinated with Jet and that they've been so like, that's almost like a staple of it is that it's rhythmically matched up to the lyrics. Like periphery does a really good job of it. Monuments does a really good job of it. Um, after the burial does, but just that th they're saying the same thing, but by saying different things, like yeah. you have this crazy guitar part going, but it's, it's still matching up with the lyrics and you can make a whole song out of yeah. it. You know, it's, yeah, that's what I always Tool like. Tool does that shit and it's never, that's another one of those that it's just never clicked with me. You gotta eat more mushrooms, man. 
fucking trying, dude. That's all you can do. I uh, I did it once not too long ago, and uh, you know, I think I kind of had an expectation of what I thought was gonna happen. Like, I'm kind of fucking psycho, and I look shit up on the internet, and like, you know, yeah. basically it's a personal thing, and like, I know that I could have eaten more trip balls eat less you know less whatever well are you going for the are you dipping your toes in the water or are you going mckenna method like are you just going five grams in a dark room fucking paul stamets okay climbing yeah. up in a tree during a rainstorm and no yeah <laughs> um, this was like it was very guided by someone who does mushrooms on a regular basis and she didn't want me to freak out, so she, you know... She put your toes in the water. Yeah, right gave me some, ate it, see how I felt, some a little later. So I wasn't necessarily, like, fucking tripping balls. Right. But I definitely was thinking about things that I don't usually think and think about, like having different perspectives. Yeah. And, like, it was almost like I get, um, you know how, like, your back gets so tight and then yeah. you get it like popped and massaged and it just opens back up again. Absolutely. Um, that's kind of what it felt like. And I just kept repeating this line in my head where I just kept saying, uh, nothing changes until you do. <laughs> and it was just, it was, re- it was on loop in my brain. It's your like, mantra. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, you know, a lyric that just wouldn't stop playing. Mm-hmm. Like it was just over and over and over. That's and a over. good one. And I was just like, "Holy fuck!" That's and I really woke. Good stuff. I woke up the next day and I just thought about it and I was like, "Huh, there is a lot of shit that I complain about that I'm not doing yeah. anything about, but it's not going to change if I don't do anything about it." So yeah. Oh man. Uh, those, those trips are fun. Mushrooms are a wonderful tool. I've uh, definitely been that guy, like I said, out of a little three-year period. And then this also kind of works back to your what is sacred geo question. So, yeah. like, it, it, for, I guess I'll answer the first part, but in terms of having those super tripping nights, uh, they're vital. I don't think there's any such thing as a bad trip, only challenging trips. And so being alone in the basement and just riding it out, watching Yellow Submarine and Colors Live and doing just sitting in the dark and learning to be okay with that. And uh, Well, I think that's like a good thing that Bob Weir says because like people go Grateful Dead, Acid. Oh, okay, I want to do Acid. But he says in Long Strange Trip, like – very explicitly the acid process is not fun Mm -hmm. he said he's like you got to work through some shit before you can get to the you know so expansion i I had a batch i ran into a batch of grateful dead acid once and i was in montrose where i have a lot of friends the bear the bear old stanny boy uh and I, we all dropped, and uh, my buddy, <clears throat> he hadn't heard Grateful Dead before, and so I threw on Ripple. I was like, so, you know, Grateful Dead, la-di-da. Yeah. And he got Intro. through that, and then I threw on He's Gone from Amsterdam 76, and I was like, all right. 
That's a good era too. Time for the test. Well, because that's where you know, steal your face right off your head. Like that's if you can get through, he's gone on Grateful Dead acid, then you're good. But by the time you get to the end of it, you're just this singular wave, and you're just like, oh, I have to come back now. And yeah, it's it's a great way to tear your brain apart. (laughs) I again, I've never done acid, but uh, are you familiar? Because I know there's so much music. But uh, the drums in space on the closing of Winterland. Yeah. That, I mean, the. I that, think that it's was... a harmonica that he has going in the background, but like there's some kind of like trippy harmonica keyboard something. I'm pretty sure it's a harmonica because I watched the video and there's I a guy. I think it's like Donna. Out. Donna probably got something because that was winter when they had Donna around. She was always doing weird shit. In the I didn't like Donna. <sighs> I don't like the end of playing in the band where she just yells. and ruins but it. But anyway, drums in space, closing of Winterland. Yes. I can't remember what year it is, but it just it's goes 84. into this like it's like drums, 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 and then just goes into this like. Trans, you know what it reminds me of? Did you ever play the first Donkey Kong Country? No. What? Oh, I grew up on. Oh man, yeah, I basically grew up Amish. <laughs> okay, so if you ever get the chance, Donkey Kong Country, the first one. I'm sorry, I'm off. There's, or you could probably YouTube it. There's underwater levels where you're swimming, and there's just, just this this sound, the music that's playing, like it just makes you. Like you're dense and okay. sound fucking <laughs> you're like you're water. Yeah, like yeah. you are the water and you're flowing with yeah. it, and it almost probably makes the rhythm of like you're swimming in the level. Yeah, uh, you know. And see, that's what I go for. Things like that. That's yeah. exactly my base. So if you can like YouTube that and just hear it, like it kind of has that feeling, like. You know, crazy drums, and then it just slides into this fucking like soothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And see, that's why I love bands like uh, the Contortionist, which is where I got this from. Um, it's from language, but kind of harkening back to what Sacred Geo is for me, at least, uh, um, in this context of what they call the Mother Son, which is from their language album. It, uh, seeing moments of chaos that are structured and learning to appreciate those and saying this is that like the general like thesis behind sacred geometry no i think there that's mine and i think perspective because that sounds like it makes a lot of sense you know because if you look at it as like one big thing yeah it's fucking crazy but it's not gonna last this one big thing it's gonna Oh yeah, and turn into the something longer else. you look at it too, it's going to you know. And then the faster the quick up. Oh, oh yeah, quantum mechanics, right? It's a hoot. I, it's such a hoot that I don't even get it. I know enough <laughs> to know I don't know much. You yeah, know? yeah. I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I am nothing. But uh, <laughs> I think perspective. If there is. <laughs> this podcast is all about sound effects. I'm gonna be Michael Winslow by the end of this. Who's that? Remember, Police Academy. Oh, okay. See, that's the funny thing about musicians talking to musicians is when you're like, you know, bam, you know what I mean? You can speak in that. Yeah. Like, 
shit like that, but like other people listening are like, is this ASMR? Like, I'm confused. As <laughs> They've fuck. said like three words in the past five minutes. Yeah. They've just been doing yeah for like. <laughs> it's you know drums and then <laughs> into like a. Yeah, people are weird. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, this is the most sound affected podcast for sure. All right, glad I'm filling out the room. I like the expansion, though. You know what I mean? Cool. Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; I was a little nervous because, like, I don't know what math rock. I don't either. Really. I know I'm not good at it, though. <laughs> And, you know, that whole aspect. And sometimes I just get nervous. You know, people I've never met before, they, you know, come on the podcast. And, like, theoretically, a podcast is supposed to be entertaining. Right. And, uh, you know, so I was a little nervous about that. But, like, I feel like... Am I entertaining? Dude, you are entertaining (laughs) as fuck. And I feel (laughs) like in some way we have a similar thought process Mm. in the way we view... I mean, mm. like the lyrics and music thing. Mm. I, I like that. Talk dirty to me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm having fun too. So, like, because I was definitely not knowing what to expect because nobody I, ever does. Do you? Yeah, I've never been on a podcast. Uh, well, like, and that's I why I don't like lot, to but... do the headphones is because oh, I trip myself out. Well, yeah, not some people. I mean, like I've had tattoo artists on. I had uh, my buddy who has a clothing line. Like, some people have never heard their voice, like, through headphones. So oh. it's like, if you don't wear headphones and this shit's just sitting here, like, we're yeah, just we're having just, a conversation. Yeah, we're just kicking it in and a I room. can yeah. look at myself. Oh, look, we're on the internet. Yeah, wow. exactly. A, and that doesn't even look like we're on the internet. But. I know. It's very, it's extremely subtle. But, uh, fuck, where was I going with that? Um, anyway. To some about flow. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> My attitude is fucked. Well, I mean... I, I I think I wanted to... The point I wanted to get to... Because I was, uh, you know, preparing for this. But you are writing music and you're planning on going into the studio. Yes. Well, okay... Before we get to studio, playing live, do yes. you have backing tracks? Yes. Yes. So, so like program drums, yeah, synthesizers, I, shit like that? Yeah, I write, okay. produce, record everything in PreSonus, which is my DAW. And then okay. I've got yeah, serum synths, I've got bass, I've got drums, I've got rhythm guitar, I've got a couple vocal samples. I've got, yeah, just everything's running behind me on the Mac, and that's just chilling, running. And, okay. And then I do a little live looping and... Stuff like that, and I'm starting to look into doing a couple covers and actually put my own spin on them and not just yeah. doing a four-on-the-floor cover. For sure. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to keep it innovative. Nice. And yeah. uh, what kind of guitar do you usually play live with? Oh, I use a Sterling JP60 Music Man, and I love it very much. Ernie Paul makes the best guitar. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, I've got that. I use a Bias Mini for my guitar tone, which I've been really, really interested in because uh, Positive Grid makes like a digital emulator, so you can put that in your actual DAW and then download those tones onto your actual head. So I can have oh, the yeah. exact same tone I have in the studio as I do live. And so that's been really crucial and helpful. Um, so yeah. I love Positive Grid stuff. 
Uh, I've been yeah, I've been playing that Sterling Music Man for about a year now. Oscar actually nice. got it first. And Hell yeah! I've got this. There's a weird inside joke where I just copy all of Oscar's stuff. Like I, we do have the same car and we do have the same guitar, um, but they've both been like weird coincidences. Yeah. And so you're just like, oh god, here we go again. But uh, that is crazy. Yeah, it's weird how it worked out. But yeah, I love that guitar. Uh, I'm thinking about getting another Ibanez here soon. That's another thing I'm looking into. I'm always looking into more gear. Oh, so. fucking same. My thing, uh, you know, when I started playing guitar, was like, I'm not going to be one of those guitar players that uses a bunch of pedals. And if you look at my yeah. pedal board over I say, there. Here we are. There's a few. <laughs> How many are uh, there? <laughs> but yeah, I'm always like, because before, I mean, you know, our music was very like, just like indie rock, um, you know, some light distortion more so as a boost. Yeah, maybe some and delay then, if you're feeling real freaky. I wasn't even going delay. Oh, straight then, edge. Whoa. Between the our album and the Phantom EP, mm-hmm. I got a reverb pedal, a chorus pedal, and the chorus pedal like changed my life drug. and like changed our sound. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like I have turnover to think for that like after <laughs> hearing yeah. peripheral vision like that fucking that changed my whole idea about guitar tone and like chorus and yeah like reverb and just having that like just being able to sculpt sound however yeah. you want well and that's why like when we play live we do like three songs and then i'll say something and then like three songs but like i have uh um what the fuck's it called that super ego pedal and it's like okay. a sustain pedal oh that's that electro so like, harmonics yeah yeah it's the same one that austin gets from turnover has but nice basically you know last note of the song you played and then uh you know you stomp that thing and it just kind of like Ooh. waves through since you donkey kong country kind of yeah and then uh you know you hit the first note of the next song turn it up and then fucking go into that nice. one uh, but yeah, it became much more about songs and music, and thank God because I am not funny. <laughs> I cannot tell jokes on stage, and the last thing I want to be, I decided it at a very young age. Like I loved Blink One Eighty Two, but it's been done. Yeah, I didn't want to be Blink One Eighty Two. Right. You know, all time low did the same thing, making the same stupid fucking party humor jokes. Yep. I don't want to be that. Sometimes, like, I'll get, like, kind of a, you know, a sassy attitude while I'm on stage. And, like, I'll say, like, some kind of funny shit. But then, like, if I plan something to say, always falls flat. Yeah, same, same. I've I've gone to uh, just cashing in on the self-deprecation thing. uh, Just the totally breaking the fourth wall. Being like, like, uh, when I'm setting up. Because it takes me a little bit to set up because it's just me. So plug yeah. in wires and it's a lot to wire up. And so usually the, the crowd is gathered by the time I'm almost done. And I'm just like, yeah, I should probably play something or something, right? Yeah, this is but Just play off a good of that, intro. Though. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it depends on the crowd, depends on the room. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of being a performer is learning to read the room and what's yeah. going to work that night. So all of your backing tracks are like pre-recorded and like predetermined and stuff like you don't do any like live 
producing or anything like that? I do, actually. And that's because uh, I do, definitely do have my Wind Up Monkey songs of like, these are the same every single time. This okay. is how these songs go. But like for a couple, I'll like switch up some of the harmonies like while I'm playing live. And then I do have a section I devote usually like three to eight minutes to it of let's see what music is in this moment and I just build a loop off like I've got my little MPK which is going through my DAW so I've got my 808s I can just lay down live and loop there and so I'll loop my 808s and then I'll just build a little clean chord like arpeggiated thing and then I just got a electro harmonics pitch shifter the little pitchfork pedal okay yeah and I can just throw that octave down lay some bass track using my guitar damn that's tight and then uh i've got a bias delay which i can also customize for my computer because i can fit like 20 different delay pedals in this damn. thing it's got like three buttons on it so it's got yeah. a b c tempo tap and uh mess around with that i've got an exp pedal so i can set some nice reverse delays and really just take in and out of the water and then uh i'll just crank a distorted guitar track over all that and that yeah. usually gets me about five minutes of weird and so hell yeah yeah and then are you singing at the same time not yet but i've been playing with live vocorder like with from within my daw what is that the, the, the vocorder is like the piano that you talk into and then oh, it makes your voice all trippy okay. yeah yeah so I've, then i found a couple of ways to manipulate that it's just doing it on the fly live is a little weird because you have yeah. to have like midi roll already written out and i've only got this little 26 key so ideally i'd have like a full 88 and then i'd be doing that because i can and you do that now in your shows not now but oh, okay. I, I that's where might. you're going i'm i've got another show in a month so i've got a month to prepare so that um, month goes by fucking quick i know <laughs> but so, I'm, I'm stoked for it. You've been kind of hitting this hard since August, you said, of last year? Yeah, it, I was. I started writing the first song, which I have the playthrough up on YouTube, uh, Waves. I started writing Waves in August, and then I finished writing the album on Valentine's Day this year. So, oh, damn. Yeah. How many songs? Uh, nine. Nine. Yeah, nice. it's about half an hour long. And yeah. uh, how many shows have you played I've since done, you really started? I've done two. I did one in Fruta, and then I did one in Denver, and then I did a poetry show in Junction, and then I actually just found out about a Globe Hall show I'm doing next month. We're doing a Globe Hall show this month. I heard. Uh, I'm doing the barbecue series. I don't know what that is. I don't either. I am very new to... Uh, knowing about globe hall me so. too but i'm that very excited to see what it's all about um yeah, for sure yeah but apparently they're gonna like start the show at like three and then just like run it through oh, the okay. evening and have a bunch of bands playing yeah stuff. he nice. did say it's a 45 minute set which is longer than i'm used to so that... fuck yeah i wish we had more of those <sighs> see i i'm taking it as a as a blessing but i'm definitely like after yeah, I'm like figuring out covers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How yeah. spacey can I make this jam? I did, I did actually figure out how to make Bad Guy like by Billie Eilish. I learned how to loop that like right before I came over here. That's fucking tight. Yeah, yeah. Like I do the 808. Like I've got the tempo chunked out. Yeah. And then I loop the bass in the pattern, 
do that same bass uh, thing with the bass pedal. And then you just riff over the top uh, of it? Well, yeah, it's just E minor, A minor, and then some weird B7 chord or something like that. And like that's a sus 7. It's like B minor 7. It's like capo 3, 2, 1, 2, oh, for your tab on the string, and then bottom and top are muted. So, and those are the three chords for the entire song. People who understand music. Yeah, I'm nerding. Sorry. <laughs> For people who don't play music or understand music, that just sounded like a lot of numbers and letters. Your fingers do that, Fuck and then they do that, and then they do that. that that's what that meant. <laughs> For the people listening, uh, he just made finger movements. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's people listening. Hi, people listening. And they will be listening. Oh, um, so, the shows... Um, are you... Like, when you play the shows, and you're, you know, doing... Are you... There are songs that you're doing the same every time. Yeah, I definitely. Because when you go into this studio, are you gonna have like a defined structure for each song? Yeah, definitely. I've got, I've got a map of every song, what I want, like my intros, my interludes. I know what I want it to sound like, and <clears throat> that's why I'm going with Esky from Soundscape is because I don't trust anyone else to illustrate the ambiance as well if that makes sense uh i know like if i say i want this synth to be like a lot more spacey but not quite as swirly like he'll be able to yeah like he just knows what i mean by that and so it's uh gonna be a very much this is what i got here's what we're doing this is what i got here's what i'm doing because it's a lot of midi so it's gonna be a lot of just tone hunting yeah, but uh, it's definitely gonna be a um, an experiment as well as yeah. like, I mean, you can go into the studio and think that you have everything a hundred percent planned out, but like when you get there, there definitely will be like you're gonna hear different things and like working with somebody, they're gonna think like, okay, you played this chord, this chord, and then he's gonna go to this chord. Because it's going to sound really good, and you're going to hit a different chord, and he's going to be like, well, try this. And then you're going to be like, oh, shit, that sounds fucking better. Exactly. And if there's anyone that I know that could do that, it'd be Esky. And so I'm very, very confident in what he'll contribute. Um, It is going to be a weird experiment, since it's just me and him. Like, I'm I'm literally just bringing my iMac in there and being like, this is my album. (laughs) If you'd like to put it on the refrigerator, I'd like that very much. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to drag and drop essentially all the backtracks, and then it's just going to be how, how quick can I record all of it on guitar? Because that's going to be that's gonna be the test. <laughs> yeah. One, well, it's got to be, I mean, just like writing poetry, you got to know when, like, okay, I'm happy with this. Oh, yeah, but, oh, are you ever really, like, no, no. art is never finished, only abandoned. See, the thing you know? is, is, like, I'll finish a song, and I'll be good with it for, you know, a couple months, a yep. couple shows, or whatever, and then I'll start doing, like, little weird things, and mm-hmm. be like, fuck, I wish I could go back in time and put that on the record, yep. but it just, you know, it's it makes hindsight. the live show more special and i think that's just uh, a character trait of creatives in general is yeah. well and just getting better if you're yeah. constantly getting better your songs will constantly evolve for exactly sure. exactly that's a wonderful way to put it um and when are you going into the studio 
end of the month. Uh, I have a show at Globe Hall that technically just got confirmed for July 28th, and then I go okay. into the studio that next day. So, damn. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm filming a music video with Lindsay Ray in September. Okay. Yeah, yeah she's uh, in the anchor. Mm-hmm. Works with. Uh, Taylor Hong. Yeah. That's who we recorded with. I, I, when I was in Eye of the Captive, I went to Taylor Hong. Oh, okay. And then I played with Roy Catlin, who records through Taylor Hong. Nice. Yeah. He's Taylor's fucking boy. badass. Yeah. He does great work. Yeah. He's, uh, he's good at, I mean, he's definitely good at the, you know, engineering, but producing too. Oh, yeah. The only thing is, you got to tell him to, when to quit when he's ahead. You got to be like, Taylor. Is my fucking song. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I know it's good. It could be three times as good, but and I see, don't have the week. That's the thing. David's just got to learn to tell him no. David, when Taylor's like, oh, you should try this, you got to tell him no. <laughs> Taylor's like, that dog. <laughs> Taylor's a dog. Taylor's very, a- very well behaved, but sometimes <laughs> if you're like holding a piece of food, you know, he'll try and like stretch out, try and get that piece of food. You just gotta remind him. No. Oh my mine. god. That I've I Tyler haven't seen Holmes a dog. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. What kind of dog is he though? Like if we're on it, like is he like a beefy Dober Doberman? Like Nah. He's like <laughs> a American bulldog. Would you say like a stout Jack Russell and Australian Shepherd? <laughs> No, he's he's definitely like in the pit bull like family, but like a pit bull that came out of the womb and then started living with uh, what's like a super docile animal. That's what Taylor Hunt is. <laughs> That's a really good description. He's a pit bull, honestly. but like like a pit bull that hangs out with a sloth. Yeah, I don't know. Fucking sloths are mean. Like I watched something that uh this sloth and like had a lady by the arm or whatever and squeeze like they're super fucking strong and their claws like oh yeah uh, they'll because they just grip trees all day they'll tear you the fuck up but see i've seen that video of stone people getting surprised with sloths and that was adorable yeah that was pretty good fucking like maybe sloths are like people i look at sloths and i just think how bad does that fucking thing stink well, you gotta think, it's the only animal that's literally got a cardinal sin named after it, other than cardinals. But, like, yeah. <laughs> what is that? You know, cardinal. a sloth, like pride, gluttony, you know, the seven deadly sins. Like, one of them is literally sloth or laziness. Huh. So, like, yeah, s- sloths, man. <laughs> I did not know that. Fun, fun I've fact. learned so much shit today. <laughs> Every day is a school day, Jake. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are your plans for the Polite Heretic? Ooh. Obviously, you know, Sell out and his go to show, in 30 years. July 28th at Globe Hall. Fucking be there. Starts at 3 p.m. You should probably get there when it starts. You're going to be uh, barbecue. It's going to be great. Hell yeah. yeah. July Tickets 29th. Tickets are going to be like five bucks. It's going to be super cheap. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So like, this is the summer jam. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then July 29th, you're going into the studio. And then after that, what uh, what's your plan? You know what I mean? Do you plan to find members to play in your band? Do you like doing the solo thing? I like doing the solo thing right now. Yeah? Uh, I w- I've been very Fuck inspired I because can. I know YouTube can still hear us. Um, you know. Sorry, YouTube. 
Hey. Uh, no, I've been very inspired just by local bands. Uh, like, if you know Riley Selleck from Light Story and The Source, uh, he's got his own solo project <clears throat> called Light Story, but now he's actually adding members to it. Um, there's another guy, uh, uh, Dylan Quick, within the community. He's in Arturo Complex. He's got his own little solo project called Cule. And okay. I feel like... I'm friends with him on Facebook. He did my logos. Okay. So he's designed my book covers, my album Which covers. Which is very cool, by the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate I like that. It. Yeah. Dylan Quick, all your logo needs. He's going to full send it if you need it. But uh, Hell yeah. I, I watched those two in particular uh, build out of a typical traditional band outfit and mm-hmm. uh, kind of just venture off in their own. And I just kind of watched like what all gear wise they needed, like what all, like how you organize your DAW and just the little little yeah. technical things that would make a solo act possible. And uh, I I took a lot of direction from just watching them do it themselves, and I thought it was really inspirational. And then there's uh, bands like Standards from California and uh, all all these other math rock outfits that are either. Uh, a two-piece or <clears throat> just uh, like like Pliny or uh, yeah. C2I. It's just a dude in a bedroom. And uh, I, I'm, I'm digging on that right now. I'm more than open to steal your drummer again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he can make both work, by all means. I know. I would just be... I'm, I'll beat the shit out of him, though, if he fucking leaves this band. I'm a side bitch that wants to be a main bitch, and I don't know my place, so that's my only problem. <laughs> so You know what? The thing about David is he is an insane drummer, but I've always said, like, he didn't take... I mean, he. I think he took a couple, like, scattered drum lessons, but he didn't go through, like, all the steps that I did when I was learning to play drums, like, starting with jazz and then you know going yeah, down the line so like i have that like structure that tight structure because initially i wanted to be a marching band too yeah didn't ever do it because that's way too much fucking time right um but david uh you know learned by listening to bands and just like hearing drums how he heard them yeah. instead of like this is how you lay it out do the cut do the cut you know yeah. what i mean so uh, you know, if you're David's experimental, yeah, it, it's and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Is that my basement is a, a science lab, yeah. and there's not a lot of folks in town that are wanting to experiment the same way. And yeah. So I I have a pretty concise idea of where I want to go with this. I just want to. As far as plans go, I just want to drop an album, play shows with that album, write another album, play more shows with that, and just live the life on it. And uh, as far as uh, getting more people onto it, if I find people that fit in it, then come I'm sure, like, once you get this album out, you start playing shows, people are going to come to you and be like, you know... I really like this. I play bass or I play whatever. And that's what, if any, that's, that's the only way I'd want it to happen is organically. I don't, I don't want to yeah. hunt for people on it. Cause that's well, and the, the thing about it is, is it's like, it's very specific and like 
semi-difficult, you know what I mean? Like, our band is, like, you know, pretty straightforward. I mean, we have our full lineup, but if someone came up and was like, yeah, I'm usually, uh, you know, a metal bass player or whatever, but I'm looking for a band, can I play with you? Like, it would work, but, like, if somebody wants to be in your band, that's a very specific, like, they are going to like that music. Yeah, you you have to listen. It's not just something to do, you know what I mean? Exactly, and that was kind of what happened with the metal project that I tried to do after uh, I the Captive was, uh, hey, who's ever picked up an instrument ever? And that, that was how that went, but... That's kind of why I'm doing this, is to find the weird eclectic area of it and to see what other weirdos are out there that need a place to come jam. I didn't even know, but there's like a whole like black metal niche in uh, in Denver too, and it's it's just crazy because like obviously my band plays like certain shows with certain bands, and you know we don't really cross paths with those bands the circuitry stay separate for the most part yeah but i mean they're playing just as many shows and have you know just as big a fan base yeah Yeah. exactly so it's weird and that's why i love this city is because it's not like nashville where it's dominated by this one thing like it has all of these different little areas like you have your hip-hop scene you have your jam scene you have your metal scene you have your uh, math rock scene. They're, they're, everything exists and thrives in Denver. Um, and I think there's a way to go through kind of a line of best fit through all of them and yeah. kind of say, all right, now what if we did a little bit of everything and kind of yeah, you know, just kind of try to bring everyone together, man, you know? That's what it's all about. I fucking dig it, dude. Yeah. I fucking dig it. Get a shovel. <laughs> 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 the, shot, when I see I'm when, digging it. When I say work, I mean horrible dad jokes. Just dad jokes. I do that <laughs> shit all the time. Uh but they're not like they're not that quick. Oh, Usually there's something like super like easy that was just like word vomit and then I stand there and just go <laughs> until someone goes <laughs> See, you get our, you get mine and my friends' dynamic already. Yeah. That's basically it. Maybe I'm a fucking wook. <laughs> We're all wooks, man. Look at me. For people on YouTube, look at him. And this is an ad for going to YouTube. Jake Backseaters on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, like, and comment, whatever. Look at me. Could I fit into the wook community? I don't fucking know. Maybe. I think you could. I think you could. Y'all have to take me to a what gathering. A what gathering? We'll, we'll see if I run out just, screaming. I'll just drop you off at Red Rocks on a weekend, pick you up on Monday. No, nah, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that, that's Plus, the I can't Plus, I can't sleep in a hammock, so it's... Oh, like, don't worry. It'll be the cold hard ground. There's no uh, hammocks available. <laughs> I thought you guys lived you're, in hammocks. No, nah, man, you're sleeping on a lot, man. We're eating bologna Do you guys play sandwiches. hacky sack? I, I think is that, that still a, nine, a thing? I think I bet it's still a thing. It's, it's like, more of a '90s thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I dabble in wooks. So what do like when a bunch of wooks get together? What do they do? They boof stuff. I don't know. <laughs> like, boof. Oh my god. <laughs> like I dabble in wookery. I've only been to like one Red Rock show. Like I, I, I have a lot of friends who I'd call quote unquote wooks, but it's definitely, it's a very 
different community music wise in terms of like I find the metal scene I'm gonna put this very carefully the metal scene in Denver is all like a bunch of 15 year old dudes we all like if you're in a, in a relationship in the Denver metal scene other dudes in the metal scene will come hit on you <coughs> and not your girlfriend and it's the funniest thing I've seen oh yeah we're all uh very much very openly i'm trying to choose my words correctly. right like how do you word this because yeah, you know very, what i'm talking about yes i know exactly what you're talking about we're very comfortable with each other yes. and we say things that if you said them to someone outside quote unquote the scene yes they'd be like get what? the fuck away from exactly. me exactly but we all like we uh, hug well, each butts. other and we grab at each other. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's all very. It's the most wholesome butt grabbing yeah. you'll ever see. But I love it because it's all hugs. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, you have that, and it's a very embracing and supportive scene. There's a lot of competition in the metal scene. Oh, for especially sure. in Denver, especially with Live Nation coming in, especially with all the There's changes. There's a lot of saturation. Yes, with all the changes that have happened in the past five years, it's become a very cutthroat market, which is fine. That's how industries work. But yeah. Then you have like the math rock scene over here, which is like this weird, not as competitive, but it, it or. I don't want to say judgy. I'll say... I don't want to say... There's got to be some pretentious... There, there's technical snobbery. Yeah. I'll call okay. it technical snobbery of... Oh, what tuning do you... Uh, and I feel like that's going to be an ending genre, but I do feel in the math rock community, at least, it is a little more prevalent um, because it's it's all this dang hipsters in the basements. God you know? damn hipsters. God damn hipsters. But... Uh, and then I feel like the jam scene is like that, but implied like they're very much going off of how well people flow and how like yeah how well they carry dem vibes and all that. But I've never seen like a local jam band. <sighs> cycles, cycles rips. Where um, do they usually play? They play. They play your mom's house. They play. Uh, they they sold out a Bluebird. Like cycles does well. I think they're on Damn. tour right now. But I've seen them at the old pizza spot I worked at, and it was solid. It was really, really oh, good yeah. show. Um, so that's definitely something that exists in in Denver. Um, it just has to something you gotta dig for a little. <laughs> but there's a lot more acceptance in terms of people wanting to be creative. Like you're down to hear more things yeah yeah you're down to hear the weird stuff and you're not going to immediately disregard it is yeah. experimental or odd and uh yeah it's weird balancing all of the nuances of each genre within the same city and trying to combine elements of all of those and existing in that that's a weird one well there's always going to be bands that try and reinvent rock Oh yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Right. Like you have the people that'll probably listen to Chan and want to do exactly like Chan does, and yep. then you have the people who hear everything and go, I'm going to try and do something brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, pff, kudos it's, to them. 
Because <laughs> that's a long road of what the fucks. You know, what a long, strange trip it's been. You know what, what I'm a, saying? Uh, what a long, strange trip yeah. it's been with Jackie Burkhart. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> you did the thing. I love that 70s show. I can't control the weather, though. Damn. Did that's you know that's actually one of our songs? Oh, what? We have a song called Cabin Fever, and it was... Like, I had the lyrics and stuff, but we were talking about that episode and how much we loved that episode. And, uh, you know, just that, well, damn, Jackie, Jackie, I can't can't control control the weather. And so the bridge um, goes in, like, David's just doing this roll, and, like, we're just hitting open notes, and I'm saying... Um, I have nothing to hide and nothing to prove. I'm still alive with nothing to lose. And damn, I can't control the weather. Damn, I can't control the weather. <laughs> oh! And like it just builds, like it starts quiet. And then like I'm singing low and our bass player starts singing high. And then it gets to the third time around and we're both singing high, like yeah! dueling vocals. David's like going hard on the fucking toms. Yeah, yeah it's... What's but the name of that song? It's called Cabin, Cabin Fever. Fever. Uh, it's unreleased. Oh. It's. Uh, Did you say new shit? Yeah. It's, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if people haven't seen us live, it, it's brand fucking new. But it's that's my stab at Tiny Moving Parts esque because uh, it has like harmonics. It's like yeah and see that's song i'm yeah. still getting into is the little finesse tricks because i have sausage fingers so i'm but see i do that and then when it goes into the verse and i start singing and it's uh you know straight four four like well what i've been and i was trying to make this point earlier but i have adhd and forget things um the i see that's fucking terrible because i do too oh dude what's up um so the whole reason for those of you just listening that was a high Five. The highest of fives. Um, the the whole reason I deviate from the typical math rock format of complex time signatures and weird tunings and all that is I remember staring at that guitar when I first got it and not knowing what to do with it and wondering what one you know what the possibilities were and you know i i don't want to learn these esteban vhs tapes these are corny so what's what's going to resonate with someone that's just picking up a regular old guitar and what's going to show them the the power of standard tuning four four just basic here here's what you can do and that that was a big part of what i wanted to do for this album was write something that's going to make everyone move collectively, but also at the same time for someone that's just picking up or is trying to learn a new style or wherever you come in. It's just something that you can look at just have any guitar. You don't have to have special equipment. You don't need it. Yeah. I mean, look at Tom Morello. What is his, his guitar was like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah. But then he like but modified the it. And, and yeah. the pickups and the this and the that. And, and these days you need like an Axe FX or a $3,000 guitar. And there's just so much emphasis put on gear. Yeah. And so I want to be able to show you a cool riff that you can play on a Mexi strap. And so you're like, you're kind of like a bridge artist. You're not trying to be the most complex shit ever that nobody can understand. You're trying to be like, look, 
I know that you're playing that, but if you want to get to that, here's the bridge. Exactly, and, and yeah, yeah, because learning very... That's all about that being human. Yeah, Everyone yeah. Everyone wants to know that everybody else is human. Exactly, and not being bored at that, because... Yep. Ed Sheeran tells us we're human all the time, but goddamn, that gets pretty boring to me personally. So like, does he really? Ed Sheeran, I, I can't say Ed Sheeran personally. It's very monotonous for me. I I heard that one song that he had. I mean, like I heard I think a couple songs off of his first album, but the that really like like slow dance song. Like I heard that one, but I, other than that, like it's like, catchy. It, it's yeah. definitely catchy, and you can't deny that it's catchy. But I mean, we we've heard. The guy with the, you know, yeah. acoustic, we, we've heard that. And so, or at least I have, because I grew up in a small town. And so, for me at least, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Dime sure. a dozen. You know, and learning the, the... That's not to say, Ed Sheeran, if you want to come on the podcast, you're totally welcome. We can... We can Feature on my it. record. You can call me out on my own podcast. Yeah, tell me why I'm wrong. Yes. Just come here when you do it. <laughs> but, come, on. come on, Ron. <laughs> or like random Game of Thrones extra number eight. What, yeah. That was weird. Um, but learn... Uh, word, uh, word vomit. Um, Transitioning the bridge between... Yeah, so I, I don't want to scare people off like animals as leaders and Chan. Like, yes, they're very beautifully composed pieces of music but yeah but some people might hear it and be like oh well i'll never play that yeah never even try yeah it's intimidating it's yeah. super you're like well i guess i'll just give up guitar like that's the meme like he like jason richardson he's so good i want to put on a quick, quick guitar and so exactly no one ever even tries because how could i ever do that and so it's it's just this exactly a bridge between yeah simple and insanity of we can just kind of chill here and do this thing if you want. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I really like that term though, yeah. So tell me about the song that everybody is going to hear. It's called Resonate. Oh, yeah. You uh, sent it to me? I did. Um, Resonate is the song I'm going to play at Red Rocks in three years. That's... That's literally the vision. Like every every one of these songs. I has like a, that attitude, sir. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that, Can the backseaters open up? Absolutely, come on in. Fuck yeah! You got you got to get a delay pedal though. You said, <laughs> I got two actually. Oh shit! Delays got, on delays. Yeah, I got one that's like my lock-in delay okay. for like certain songs because uh, in our song Phantom, the build is like a. Like a palm mute, like dun 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 dun. But when we recorded it, we left the delay on, so it's like, and it sounds like a fucking helicopter taking off. Oh, okay. But because David plays to a click, it has to be perfect every fucking time. So that's like my lock-in delay. But I also kind of use that as kind of like a sustain pedal as well. And then I have my other one that like I can, you know improvise live yeah you can you can shit. use that exp yeah. pedal on doesn't have to be perfect yeah you'll resonate is definitely the because i saw umphreys at the one red rock show i went to is umphreys mcgee with stick figure probably the highest i've ever been in my life honestly and i remember looking at my buddy and this was two years ago now and, on pots huh on pots oh acids like several letters um <laughs> so, yeah and on uh 
shiitakes? Oh no, no shiitakes. Uh, oh. Some Coca Cola. Some uh, some cat mining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're just cat mining. So dude. some loose. Is that a thing? Do people say that? No, I just said that. People are gonna hear this podcast. We're gonna go mine some be, cats. <laughs> it's gonna turn into a fucking thing. That's kind of my thing. Is I make things into things. Cat mine. Cat mining, bro. Damn, go that's mine fucking cats. tight. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was going cat mining all the way down to the hole. <laughs> oh my god! I <laughs> digging a hole for your cat mine. Doop, doop, doop. You need to make that into a meme, and if you make it into a meme, then people will be like, "Who's this funny guy?" They'll go to your page, they'll figure out about the polite heretic, and then that's how you do it. I'm gonna make the shirt. Let's go cat mining. And then there's gonna be a spelunking cat on the back. It's gonna be great. So yeah, or it could be your logo on the front, and then on the back it just says "Let's go cat mining." Hey, that fuck! My buddy sent me one the other day. Do you remember that meme of uh, the passive aggressive hippie, and his shirt says, "You want a piece of me?" Oh yeah, yeah. My my buddy said that'd be a really good polite heretic shirt. I was like, oh shit, you're kind of right. <laughs> so damn. But yeah, so highest I've ever been in my life at Red Rocks, and I turn and look at my buddy, and I say. Uh, within five years, I will be on that stage playing a song. And so I have three years left. So I better get to going. Um, but yeah, resonate when I had the image in my mind of where I want to be when I play that. It's opening stage, Red Rocks. Hell yeah. yeah. So resonate's definitely the one that's Donkey Kong Country. Brings home the watery vibes. Makes you... Hell yeah. Makes you wiggle, but it makes you think about stuff too. So it was... And it's- uh, all instrumental? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no Alan. I have a lot of Alan Watts vocal samples on this album. So. I fucking love Alan Watts. Yeah, me too. The contortionist is what got me into Alan Watts. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've got a very big undying love for the contortionist. I just had this like need inside of me to like hear philosophical shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the first thing I watched was the If Money wasn't a thing what would you want to do and that like fucking just launched me into all of his uh his ideas so mine that's fucking tight yeah thanks so uh that's that's what resonate is but yeah i definitely joe rogan and alan watts were very much introductory for me like i think the one for alan that i found first was uh uh you are not you like the real you mm-hmm. and, and waking up to the real you and realizing what that is and that the fact that nature abhors a vacuum, that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I heard that and I was like, okay, really cool. And then Joe Rogan was like the dumbed down version of Alan for me. Like yeah. I've, I've heard him describe himself as the bridge between the meatheads and the potheads. Yeah. And I really like that. So I found Joe, found Alan, and then I found the contortionist, uh, specifically their language album. And uh, I really like the story behind it uh, between it and the other album, Clairvoyant, that they did. There was a really beautiful story that I resonated with. And uh, just the way where I was at in my life with what the themes of those albums were discussing. That's why I ended up getting a whole freaking chess piece about it. But from that point, I was like, oh, Alan Watts is something I need to carry with me. and Because it resonated. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's my kind of dad jokes. Like, it's anybody could have made it, 
but I'm the one who said it. Yes. Everyone else is like, oh, yeah. Uh, he went for funny. it. Oh, he did it. He did the thing. Yeah, see, I like doing the thing, too. And Yeah, it's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> My own pleasure. Mm. Uh, well, thank you thank so you. much for doing this podcast. I What time is it? Have no fucking clue. Oh, yeah, my time's goddamn relevant. phone wouldn't stop ringing, so I just <laughs> turned it the fuck off. See, usually yeah. I leave it on because there has been times where I fucked up and I accidentally like don't plug in the microphone and someone's like, I can't hear you on the YouTube, oh, sure. like okay. shit like that. Yeah, so yeah. it made sense, but because people wanted to be fucking stupid, uh, I had to turn it off. Fair but enough. well, it's like nine o'clock. Hell yeah! Well, <laughs> I am super stoked. That we got to do this. Me too, and man. You, uh, you know, when you're getting ready to put out the album, let's do it again. I'm down. Also, I think it'd be fucking sick to do a podcast with you, me, and David. Oh I, yeah, it'd very be much philosophical, down. musical. Oh yeah, rhythmic. When be fucking badass. When, like, dude, yeah. fucking talk to David. Yeah, we'll, we'll create a, you, a message. He doesn't say group. no to shit. We'll get him down here in no time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, thanks again for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, the yeah. Polite Heretic, and the song is called Resonate. Resonate.